Hello and welcome back to Onto the Ball on this Blue Monday, or as Trav would call it, Red Monday. Manchester is red. We're going to be going through the Manchester derby, the debacle of offside, was it, wasn't it, as well as Brighton 3, Liverpool 0, which some people in this podcast seen coming, others didn't, and I'm devastated to be proved right. I predicted 3-1 to Brighton and... We couldn't even get a goal. We didn't even look like getting a goal. Um, but here to go through it with me, as always, is my co-host, James O'B and Travis. Travis is going to tell us what went right in the Manchester derby. And Obi's going to explain why the best January signing Liverpool could make is Brighton's head scout or sporting director. Uh <laughs> James Travi is okay. How is how he's getting on on this Blue Monday? I've just heard it's apparently the most depressing Monday of the year. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I feel it. I feel it. Me. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, lo- lo- loads of football to go over to distract us from uh, what is a pretty bleak January. Obviously, the weather's getting a bit colder as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah but the football's there, and it's loads <laughs> of good good games over the weekend. Loads of things to sort of digest and um, lots mm-hmm. of things to sort of worry over from a Liverpool fan's perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to start with Liverpool. Apologies again, Trav. Like I say, I don't no, want no, this no, to no. come across like it's a Liverpool podcast, but no, it's no, no. easier to talk about when you're as bad as we are and all other neutral fans are loving the demise of Liverpool FC. The clop out trending on Twitter is getting to un imaginable levels six months ago when we were going for the quad. I honestly don't know where to start, Obi. I know I say it a lot, but I've just watched Match of the Day again just to refresh it with a cup of tea before I come on the potty, just to just to refresh the moments in my mind. And it gets worse every time I watch it. The laziness of the, the three midfielders is just jaw-dropping. It really is. But at the same time, the front three are misfiring could you call it ox is not a front three player Gakpo's signed and been thrown straight in for two underwhelming games and salah as touted as one of the best players in the world that it's gone it's over it really is he is a million miles off his high standards in my opinion um but the defense were catastrophic as well that's the worst I've ever seen Joel Matip play. Joel Matip is regarded by me as the best centre-back in the world. He was probably the worst centre-back in the league on Saturday. Trent Arnold for that third goal. If you watch it on Twitter and watch people um, screenshot stills of him standing around while the play is going on, it is just it's criminal. It really is. In his defence, the game might have already been gone by then, but my God, you still try, try and run and run. He gave up the ghost and it was painful to watch. I text my season ticket holding mate and I said, look, Penny, for your thoughts yesterday. And even he said, it's probably going to get worse than this. Where do we go from here, OB? How how can Klopp fix it? And I don't just mean fix it. Give us some words of encouragement where he could just improve it because it won't take much to improve on Saturday. I'll tell you that for nothing. How does he just improve it? Okay, wow. Um, ultimately, and this is this is where 
we've we've had some conversations on the group chat um, over the last sort of day or two. And ultimately, I always think to myself, if, if teams are playing bad and they're putting the effort in and it's not working out, you think to yourself, right, okay, law of averages, they're putting it in, they're putting it in on the training field, they're putting it in in everything that they're doing in their lives and they're working to make things better. And that, ultimately, you can work with that, I imagine, as a coach. Because um, the quality players, the, the players on the park that started that game against Brighton are more than capable of beating Brighton. Let, let's be absolutely clear, right? So you start at that point and you also go to the point of they played 63 games last season and they were in every competition and they nearly won everything. So they won two out of four trophies. They fell at the final hurdle on two of them trophies and it was electric performance after electric performance, consistency, brilliance. And ultimately, you don't play 63 games without and get that close to winning absolutely everything without effort. But this is different, Scott, and this is the worrying part. I expected a reaction, and I talked about it last week. And the reason I expected a reaction is I thought them players were mentality monsters. I thought there were, the effort would be there. But what we saw, and the Trent Arnold one, is it, it, it's, it's, it's the absolute epitome of laziness. And I don't want to just call him out because you saw bits of laziness throughout the game. But that shows to me a player who's not putting it in. And I don't like to level out any football player because the amount of games that they play, the effort, the fitness levels just to be a Premier League footballer and maintain that Premier League footballer level, he should he should be putting it in every single game. And he wasn't on Saturday. And there was a couple of other players I don't think are quite putting it in. And I always put Fabinho in particular down to Possibly he's carrying an injury. Possibly his legs are a little bit tireder. He's maybe gone. But now I'm thinking to myself, if there's lack of effort in one player, are other players thinking, I'm not putting in because he isn't. And if that's what's going on, that is worrying. That's beyond what I thought it was before Saturday. Before Saturday, I thought it was bad form. I thought we could turn it around. I thought things aren't quite clicking, but I could see effort. When you see a drop in effort, that's something different. And now we're seeing something very different. Now, it's up to Klopp now to go, okay, pull them players and go, you're not making an effort. You, and it's either uh, drop them or get them out of the club for me. And I really am at that point. Seriously, I'm at that point, yeah, Scott. No, because agree, when, players, when players don't put effort in, you, there's no <clears> way back unless they go, Okay, you drop you for a game, bring you back, and you put it in. But if I ever see that again, you're gone. You know what I mean? Because you can't allow that lazy mentality to spread. And we've seen it in other Premier League teams over a long, long period of time. Trav's seen it at United, I'm sure, where yeah. you think that guy's cruising for a football game. That wasn't even cruising for a football game. That was just I can't be asked to run back and defend mm. when Danny Welbeck scored that third goal. That absolutely it it infuriated me. And I didn't watch the game live. I watched the highlights, but then it was pointed out to me on Twitter. And it was like, what on earth is going on there? And it's horrid. It's horrid to watch, Scott. The thing is, um, obviously, we kept saying that the World Cup is going to be a game changer. It's unprecedented and all that. But from a, a manager or a fitness coach, there must be a fine line between unfit and exhaustion. There must be. 
how how do you determine whether a player's unfit, not putting in in the training, or exhausted from last season, this season, the World Cup? You just that it must be a minefield. But like you say on Saturday, it wasn't a question of fitness. It was a question of desire and effort. Wave after wave of Brighton attacks were exactly like I called it Friday night. We wouldn't be able to contain them. And I've sent you no end of screenshots. I paused the TV and sent you a screenshot. Look at that. Look at Hendo. Look at Thiago. Look at Fabinho. I even said it um, on Saturday. I sent you a text. When teams attack us, it's four on four. Where are the midfield? Where are the supposed to be? It smacks of that season of 2021 when we were in the mud with no centre-backs. We ruined the midfield to try and fix the defence and it got even worse. It smacks of that that were one area. So the midfield now has got all the injuries. All, all the, the Sorry, all the forward line's got all the injuries. It's like the midfield are, are chasing the game from the first minute. And it's like, Trav said, watching the last game, it was like a basketball game. It's end to end. And I said yeah. it in 2021, um, and I'm saying it again now, we need to go back to basics and make ourselves hard to beat for the next five games and almost forget about being an attacking force. Forget about it. Get back in position, two banks of four, to almost get yourself into a counter-attack position because this is dire. We've conceded... Yeah. Eight goals in the last three games. Eight <clears throat> goals. We've conceded twice as many goals as Newcastle. Newcastle, twice as many goals. And they haven't even got started with the spending yet. This is fundamentally now, for them reasons you've just said, about getting shot of players, dropping players. This is, this is on Klopp now. And it is really hard to do a podcast when you are so pro-Klopp. And that's, that's a skill. Um, and probably a, uh, an intelligence to be able to get across what I'm saying without going in on Klopp. But it's almost impossible now to to get it across without saying this is this part is on Klopp. And I never want to be a kind of Liverpool fan that turns on Klopp. I swear yeah. to God, sell all 20 players and let Jurgen Klopp start again. That's what I'd be happy with. That's how much I back him. But at the same time, his stubbornness to get rid of players when they're maybe coming up to their, their sell-by date. His hands might have been tied by FSG because they haven't got the funds to replace an Oxlade or a Kata. I know all that. We've, we've covered that before. But at the same time, there must be a fine line between an authoritative manager who almost has the respect of the players and a manager who's hugging every player. He yeah. might have just gone too far on the other side, hugging them too much. Can you imagine him saying to Hendo, what the hell was that today on the bus? On the way back from Brighton, you were a I, mess. Yeah, can you imagine actually, him ever saying that? I actually can imagine him saying it, but the impact after being at the club for eight years, when you've achieved everything, diminishes, and that's that's what I've been trying to say for a number of weeks now on the podcast in regards to Jurgen Klopp. It's not that he's lost it as a manager. It's not that um, he's not capable of turning it round necessarily. But what I'm what I've been trying to say is, is how much motivation has he got to inspire that group of players to go again, especially with injuries, because that's the toughest thing. Now, for me, it's no it's nowhere near a fitness thing. McAllister's just come back from the World Cup. He's bombing around the place. They got to the final. Do you know what I mean? It's not got anything to do with fitness. You had 
Liverpool's three midfielders, Thiago didn't go to the World Cup. He had Fabinho was on the bench all the tournament and Hendo played a few games, but he was back early. So it's got no nothing to do with necessarily with fitness issues. Yes, you've got age, but what I'm noticing with Liverpool from a tactical standpoint, what doesn't normally happen is obviously you're still keeping this high line that you're playing, but the gap between the line and where Fabinho is isn't normally as big as what it is. Like normally Fabinho plays the game always behind the ball. No matter where the ball is, he's always behind it. But for some reason, he seems to be ahead of the ball a lot. I'm not talking about ahead of the strikers, but like really heavily getting involved with play, not being that sitting player that he normally is. I don't know if Klopp's giving these, him these different in, instructions, but he seems to be the one that just seems to be sort of venturing, not normally keeping that discipline that he normally does. He normally just sits in between the two centre-halves, in between just screening them, getting it, giving it side to side, giving it to the ball players. Then when it breaks down, he's normally always in position. He's been the one that surprised me the most in this Liverpool team. And I think it all stems from sort of his positioning because his positioning normally, the other two midfielders take their positioning off him. And I think when he's not in the right position, I think it confuses everything else. I think the midfield is an absolute mess. Like you said, Will he, will he have the balls to drop all three of them? I personally don't think he's going to drop all three of them. I really don't. Whether it's a system change, I don't know. But I think that was sort of the lowest of the low in, in terms of the performances of, of recent. In terms of the effort and the work rate was just absolutely non-existent all the way through. And I'm speaking from a neutral sense. Man United wanted Liverpool to get beat. I'm just, I'm just being honest. From what I'm watching watching the highlights on match of the day i was even shocked that it could get this bad and the problems are deep rooted for the for the issues that i gave with Klopp. like all the Klopp outers it's silly because they're saying it for the wrong reasons they, they're going on like he's not got the magic anymore he's not a good manager anymore that's that's not what it is like for me the burning question it's a rhetorical one which we might not be able to answer is has he got the desire to do a complete rebuild again because Yes, you've you bought in Gappo, you've bought in Nunes, but they're still sort of settling. You've got age, you've got age with some of the centre halves like Matip and stuff. They're going to be the wrong side of thirty. I know you've got Konate coming through, but really you do need a whole new midfield. I'm not sure if Fabinho can get it back. I like him a lot as a player. I don't know what's going on with him, but really you're going to need about four, five, six, including squad players to really go again and really start competing with the likes of City. The, the new Arsenal at this moment in time and maybe Newcastle if they get their recruitment right over the next two years and ourselves um, if we get our continue to get our recruitment right I think you need to really go again in the transfer market obviously in the summer and and it, and it is starting afresh really I think do, do, do you know what and I talked about I talked about this uh, last week is that everybody's playing us at our own game as well yeah. and I think the four-three-three only works if you're the most energetic team on the pitch. Yeah. And when you're not, it looks like you're a bad second best because you can be stretched. Yeah. And everybody's playing four-three-three. I mean, United didn't for the purposes of of the game on um, yeah. Saturday, but they normally play a four-three-three of sorts, and yeah. everybody is playing four-three-three now because that is that is the way football. Is going. That's the trend, and it's basically come off. Klopp 
bringing that into the the Premier League, and it, he's made the game more exciting. But now he's suffering because other teams have got more energetic midfielders. Other teams have got wingers with a lot more desire. They've got players over uh, overstepping, overrunning. It's just so interesting the way the way that players are developing. Like seeing people like Dan Byrne and Ben White running down and overlapping. They're, they're attackers. It's, it's just astonishing to watch. And these teams are developing well beyond what Liverpool were doing or are doing. And they're basically just using the same the same blueprint. They yeah. really are. And it, they're just better at it than we are. And that's got to be about midfield energy. It's got to be about desire. And I, I didn't think that last week, but I do now. It's got to be about desire. And Klopp's got to get that back. Now, whether that be a change of personnel, whether it be sorting whatever the hell is going out behind the scenes. Could it be, and I was, I was running through reasons in my head as to why, could it be unrest in the, in the team because Salah got that whopping contract? Because we've seen it at other clubs. Is that now the problem? Is, it, is there a bit of a, an unrest situation going on in, in the yeah. changing room? I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Are the players tired because they played 63 games last year and a lot of them played 50-plus? You know what I mean? Has it has it really taken out of them? It's probably too much football. Um, let's be honest, and I don't think anybody else is going to play that amount of games unless United go deep this season. But you could end up with a problem next year, and that's that's the thing. You know what I mean? Is is that a factor? I'm not yeah. sure. I really don't know. But something seriously wrong is going on, and the energy and the effort in the team is not where it should be. Klopp will see that. He's not stupid. He's a master tactician. He mm. will get it right, but he's just got to really work out what he needs to do quickly to sort it out, stem the tide, and then start to build again with the right team, the right formation, the right subs at the right time, and making sure that everybody's putting the bloody effort in because I'm, I'm sick of watching that. Yeah, the fans, were, the fans won't let him get away with it either, especially the, away, the fans away from home. They must have been... Yeah. Human. I think I think only only a, only a few only a few of the players came over and clapped as well at the end. That's, that's going to cause issues as and, well. And that caused a lot of unrest from what from what I've uh, read and heard. So um, I think there's there's a discord. And Klopp was the one who brought the fans together with the club um, and the, and the players and everybody seemed to be this amazing group of unity where everybody was so in sync with each other and the atmospheres were great. I went, I went up to Anfield, as you know, over Christmas, um, just after Christmas. The atmosphere was dead. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people talking about the atmosphere being dead. That means there's a discord and something needs to be sorted out very, very quickly. Jurgen Klopp is the one who can sort it. There is no doubt in my mind. He's the one who will sort it as well. There's no doubt in my mind, but he needs to do it quickly. This season is a write-off and we can't have that. The thing is, we spoke on Friday night. I know I said I'm predicting a Brighton win, and I, uh, I said a few reasons why. But I mentioned Danny Welbeck and Adam Lalana. Adam Lalana's nearly 35 now. Danny Welbeck's 32. And I said, they're in the Brighton side. They should have no chance against us. They wouldn't get in a Liverpool side now at, at their age, at this stage of their career. And they pretty much ran rings round us. So when you talk of our centre mid of Thiago and Henderson, who are thirty one and thirty two respectively, 
Yeah. And as the point Trav just made, it's Fabinho seems to be in in an alien position. Uh, again, with them few screenshots I sent you over Saturday, Sunday, you can almost throw a blanket over all three of them. Yeah. Fabinho is so advanced. The three of them are, are kind of just in no man's land in the center of the midfield. We're passing it with width, which is just putting, like I mentioned, the four on four. I listened to a Liverpool podcast today and they said... Brighton was so good and so energetic. There was so much of the game. Their formation was two seven one. That's that was how 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 much they were committing players forward, and it, we just couldn't. We didn't have the effort to try and deal with that, and it stemmed from Henderson and Thiago and Fabinho. They were just a mess. They were walking in stages when Brighton were clean through five five on four, and I'm thinking, at <laughs> what point would you do? You think anyone could hold the hand up to? Klopp and say I'm exhausted I need two weeks off I am absolutely shot like you say from the wrong from the long season last season the World Cup being being involved not Thiago he should be fresh but I me myself I'm not buying it it's it's desire and they're choosing a jog and walk they're thinking I, I can't be bothered getting back here I'll just hope our four defenders can can thwart this attack and it's we've, we've lost the cutting edge we've lost the fight we've lost the desire and as you've just said, both of you said, it, it is unacceptable and it cannot go on. It really can't. I think we'll get more clarity within the coming months in regards to, like, obviously you're going through a process where you're being bought out at the moment. Um, obviously, there's going to be a change in ownership. Klopp, I know you boys, I don't know whether you think he's going to stay beyond this season. I've I've said this before and I'll stick to my guns with it as not as banter. I genuinely am not sure whether he's going to carry on next season. I think it would depend purely on what sort of where you finish in the league, what the sort of project is. The project's going to stem from the owners and the directors and sort of the 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 sporting directors and, and what sort of direction they want the the club to go in. I think I mentioned in one of the previous podcasts that Michael Edwards left. Sounds like he must have had a quite a strong relationship with Klopp in terms of the recruitment. He was the one that identified, obviously, Mane and some of the other players that you got before. Um, so if if Klopp, if it's not singing the right tune for Klopp after being there for eight years, he, I don't think he's going to stick around. I don't. That's no disrespect to Liverpool. You're replacing yeah, with a I, manager. I, I, I fully understand. The, 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 the only the only saying. thing I would say the only thing I would say about that is. No matter what the project is, mm. if we get anybody else other than Jurgen Klopp, it's a downgrade. Oh, it's fit. We're, we're done. So, we're so done. Ultimate, ultimately, Klopp is the answer to whatever the project is. Yeah. I really believe that because I cannot think of another manager in world football other than Pep who isn't coming that mm. would be an upgrade Let's under just... any circumstances. And and if if it's if it's an injection of money, mm. I would trust Klopp as much as I would trust anybody in the world to spend it in the right way. Yeah, 100%. because his, his his purchasing power is great. So if it is, if the rumours are right and there is a there, there is a Middle Eastern um, syndicate looking like they're they're circling around and they've got their eyes on Liverpool and that's what's starting to go through, which would be. Fantastic from a taking the club forward perspective, I think, at this point, as opposed to the FSG problems we've had. If we're at that point, Klopp is the answer. And let's just be absolutely clear, Klopp is the, the answer to that. 
mm-hmm. because yeah, I'm, the not, reason, I'm not disregarding that. Yeah, that yeah. I'm just saying, does he want to be the yeah. answer? Point. That's my point. Does he I, want... I think he will. I think yeah. he will, and I think it's if there's a frustration with Jurgen that we've seen over the last few years, and he won't say it out loud. He won't doesn't throw anybody under the bus. He's not that type of manager. We've seen that type of manager elsewhere, and we see it continuing to happen at, say, Spurs, where Conte will just moan he hasn't got enough money. Klopp never takes that tune. No. He'll always he'll always defend, so and it's, it's it's professional, and it's the right way. You, ultimately, they're your employers, so you behave in the right way. Klopp has got that about him. He's, he's a man of um, the highest calibre in the way he behaves, and I think that he would never do that, but privately... He's probably thinking, give me some money and I'm buzzing. You know what I mean? And I will, I know who I want and I know who I can get and I know what I can do. And I'm just hoping that that is the case and it happens sooner rather than later because I think we'd see a new energetic Klopp and I think we'd see a whole different club and it would change the game in the Premier League again. So, I mean, let's just go through the scenario of what Trav's trying to say. Let's say there is no buyout. Let's say we get to the summer, Cater leaves for free, Oxlade-Chamberlain leaves for free. He might even be forced to give Milner another year's contract. Um, Firmino might sign. If we get to the summer with no buyout and it is the usual, you've got £30 million net to spend, plus whatever you generate from sales, which there's I can't think of anyone else that would have to sell like a Nico Williams or a Rian Brewster or a Dominic Solanke. They've all, we've ran out of them kind of little nuggets that might pull in 20. I could, and I said it in my um, my five minute match review on Saturday night, I would not put it past Klopp walking. I'd even encourage him to walk. There gets a point where you try to do a job and if you're not given the resources to do that job in any job, surely you could be like, I would be excelling if I just had, you know, 50% of what other managers get, but I'm not. I'm getting 15% of what Ten Hag's getting. I'm getting 5% of what um, Graham Potter's getting at Chelsea after the numbers that have been published the last couple of days. There comes a point where there's a personal pride. I'll give you a stat off the back of that just to put into context what you're trying to say. Um, I heard on the radio earlier that Chelsea's net spend in the last six months is the equivalent of what Liverpool's has been in the last 10 years. No, the last 10 transfer windows, so the last five years. I thought it was the last 10 years. No. It's not. That's still ridiculous. No, it's it's crazy. But at the same time, Klopp is a guy with um, ambition of his own. Surely there will be a breaking point, as Trav's saying, that I've done everything I can for seven years on 30 million net spend. The well has run dry. I cannot build or take this team squad any further with my hands tied like this. I'm pretty much mentally exhausted trying to... So, uh, and I hope it don't happen. I would not blame him for washing his hands saying, I've, I've done all I can. Yeah, I've taken the project as far. Especially, I think I would keep one eye on Bayern Munich because their coach, Nagelsmann as well, who is a top young coach, but I think he's had, he's been a little bit indifferent and, I, and I'm not sure the sort of fans and that have warmed to him as much as everybody thought, and especially with Klopp being German. But I know he's managed Dortmund and it would be a controversial thing, but if Klopp did become available on the market as a manager for a move, that's one club who you know... Oh, it'd be... Anyone, anyone would have him. 
I, I don't think he'd take it. He, he, he's, he's made noises about it before. I think the one that he would take would be the German national job. And I think that's the one that would probably sit a little bit further down the line. I'm yeah. not convinced he'd take any other job. I've always thought he was probably, he might lean towards Barcelona as well, if that, that come up. But the way they haven't got any money, he'd be walking out and jumping out of the frying pan into the fire there because yeah. that's, that's, just a, that's just a disaster waiting to happen. Um, I don't think he, he likes the biggest club in a country or the, the, the favourite club in the country or the club with the most money in a country. He likes to go for sort of a team that, that the fans are the most passionate, etc. And I think that's why I don't think he'd go down the Munich route. And he has distanced himself from it before. And I, I don't think he'd go for Munich. I really don't. No. I think Liverpool, if they were to look at getting a new manager in the future and Klopp was to leave, I mean, obviously he's been unbelievable. He's been the best manager that we will have seen at Liverpool in our lifetimes. And sometimes it seems like like you'll never recover. And and, and I know what that's like. Do you know when Fergie left United, it, it, was, it was heartbreaking. You just think you'll never recover, which technically... You haven't. You haven't. Just to be clear, you haven't. Which you haven't, exactly. But, but like, I don't know. I, there's something about me that just... is It's just a gut feeling. I don't know what it is. I just like, like Scotty's saying, I just... I think he's taken it as far as he can take it. Like I just think he has, especially if he's not gonna get under this model. Lot, yeah, under this model. If he's not gonna get, like you said, a hundred million a season to to have a good go at it, he's he's like gone pedal to the metal, full throttle, chasing Pep for a good five years. He's toppled him once. That's gonna take so much steam out of him, emotionally, mentally, everything. And I just think like. I'm not. I'm not just saying this like, oh, I want him to leave, so it, it, you'll necessarily become weak. I'm not saying it on a banter thing. I'm being genuine. Like, has he got that fight to rebuild again under this project, under these resources? If you don't get bought out and you've not got big resources of cash, can he go again? Like, he's capable of doing it. Does he want to? Is my question. Does yeah. he want? I, let me. I, I don't. One sec, Ob. Let me phrase it another way, Trav. Yeah. Ob. If we get to the 1st of September, still under the FSG ownership, can you hand on heart say Klopp will still be the manager? Um, yes, under a certain circumstances. And that will be that I, I think if we don't sell by the summer, I think the fans will put so much pressure on FF, FSG that they'll either spend money because they'll have to, to keep the value of the club as high as it is, or and to keep Jurgen Klopp in place, who adds value to the club. So I think that it, that will happen by circumstance anyway, because Klopp is a, a big part of the value of the club. He's changed the club. So when FSG bought the club in, was it 2011, they, it, the club was worth 300 million. They're now on about something that's worth three to four billion. Um, and a lot of that's down to Klopp, and what he's done and been able to do it under that financial model. Now, to hold him will hold value for the club. And I honestly believe that if they have to go out and spend 200 million, when he walks in there and goes, I need 200 mil right now, I need 200 mil, which I think he could do in the summer. And the fans are behind me. I think they'd have to spend it. See? But he'll, he'll only have the opportunity to do it once. So it's win-win then. See? Obi's cheered me up. I knew he would. <laughs> <laughs>
So we either get bought I, out or FSG are going to spend the money anyway. So I'm all in. <laughs> Listen, you, you, you like see. I can't guarantee that's going to happen. I just can't, man. No, I, don't I know. can't. I can't. New owners are crazy as well. Like new owners can come in and do anything. Like you seen what's happening at Chelsea? They just bombed off Tuchel, got Potter. Like that's just a maniac decision. But that's so, that's not the same level, is it? Let's be clear. If a new owner in come in the, yeah, yeah. and bombed off Klopp, it's a different level to bombing off Tuchel. Oh, it's God. a completely yeah. different level. It would be like taking over United um, in 2010 and bombing, bombing off bombing off Fergie. It's that level. Why would why would, would a happen. new owner bomb off Klopp? That just that is that would it never happen. But it listen, would never happen. Tuchel was a top coach, though. He was. Yeah, he's, like, a top, he's a top. He's a top coach, but he's not. He's not, he's not in the clock bracket. He's not in the clock no. bracket. No, no, I'm not. He's I'm not in the kidding. top two or three coaches in the world, is he? And I think that's what I'm trying to get across. Yeah, yeah. Right, let's stop talking about Klopp leaving because it's giving me anxiety. And it's the <laughs> last, not happening. It's, it's the not last happening. outcome I want or OB wants. It's the first outcome Trav wants, which <laughs> means that he rates him very, very highly, which is obvious. Yeah, um, awesome. we we done a party maybe a month ago now and we were talking about, you know, midfield options and what could fix and Trav asked me who would you take and I said pretty much anyone and Obi laughed and like no we've got to have a bit we haven't got um have a scattergun approach we've got to be careful who we buy Obi have you changed your mind because when I look at Saturday and Thiago and Henderson and Fabinho's obviously struggling and I look at other teams especially Brighton I'm thinking where's the Liverpool scouting network signing these players for like 7 million and 12 million at 19 years old and now they're, they're like full-time premiership footballers at 21 that's obviously Caicedo where's our scouts finding them little nuggets and then second of all when I look at all other teams I, I'd take Tielemans I'd take James Madison I'd take obviously Declan Rice I'd take Suchek there's so many options out there I would literally take any of them uh, Alexis McAllister from Brighton he'll be a pretty penny now Jesus he just won the World Cup but he, he is right up there with the top midfielders there's all players out there and then not only that if there's players in the last six months of their contract like T. Elements, why are we not taking advantage of that there's a cheeky £15 million pound now or we'll have him for free in the summer anyway Scott you told me you didn't, never really rated him I don't, but that's that's what I'm trying to get across. I'm that desperate yeah. and that down. I look at all of the players and I think he's an upgrade. That's how yeah. bad we are right now. So, You've got to so take the, into so, consideration the coach, though. Sorry, Obi, just before I cut you. Because let's say you've got Brighton's team now. Yeah, as they are, player for player, McAllister's a lot, and Ollie's coaching. Do you think they're playing like that? <laughs> of course they're not. Do you know what I mean? You've got to take into consider like this Dezebri is is looks like he's going to be a top coach, a top player that can develop players individually as well. And sometimes you're only as good as your coach. Now that's not to say Liverpool have got now a bad coach because of how you're playing. That's not what I'm saying. I just think that the whole project's a little bit demotivated. It needs freshening up, freshening up. Maybe, like you said, if Klopp's still at the helm of it, he needs new resources, he needs new players to go again, and he just needs to get some of these out who have been there a long time and get some of his own blood in. That's all I'm saying. But like you said, the, the top players, I do agree with the scouting in, in terms of being able to find these gems. But more on top of the scouting, it's the fees that they're getting them at as well. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, why... 
why are clubs like Brighton and stuff able to pay like three, four million for like Caicedo from whatever club he is, and then we're having to buy him for like fifty million from Brighton? Like you said, what are the, what are our clubs doing? It's same with United as well. Enzo mate. Fernandez as well, ten million euros eight months ago. Yeah, it's madness. It's madness. And the the thing is, the for me, the outstanding performance of the weekend in the midfield off an individual was Thomas Pye, right? And I think he is absolutely tremendous. Mm. Was he as good when he joined? He was all right. He looked like he had a bit about him. It's good mm. coaching combined with a guy who's got desire. He looks very focused. What a player. What a performance mm. against Tottenham. And it's just like, he is, he is everything that Liverpool need right now. Now, there's no way on this earth that he's going to leave Arsenal, the form they're in, and come to Liverpool. I understand that. But it's that type of player that we need. Mm. We need to find somebody that Klopp can coach to be that level. And that might be Jude Bellingham. It might be Fernandez. But let's just bloody buy them and see. You know what I mean? Because do you think that's he's what needs different to, to what Fabinho was when he first came? Or do you think um, similar? I, I think similar? I think he's a little bit similar. What I would say is I think he's he's got probably a better passing range. Um, I think he's got a little bit of a genie about him as well. So he's a mixture of Fabinho and genie. He was just conducting that game yesterday. And I sent you both a message saying, that's one of the best first half performances I've seen off any midfielder in years. And I cannot think of a midfielder other than probably Kevin De Bruyne in a couple of games where I thought, "You're you're just ruining this game. You're just making it. It looked like you're playing a different game and you're seeing two, three, four moves ahead like the Matrix. Thomas yeah. Partey was doing that. He could, he literally sets them off on every single goal. So I think the Odegaard goal, he hit a ball around the corner and he knew where the player was going to be before he even hit it. Didn't and he knew what he was doing. He, he didn't even look. He was, because he's, if you watch him, he's, he's scoping constantly. Like he's got wing mirrors on, isn't he? It is. It is. And he's just a different level. He is a different level of player and it's, he might be in the form of his life. He might not be able to keep up for a season or two. You know what I mean? It might it might die off. But just a joy to watch. And that's the type of player I'd expect Liverpool to have and I want Liverpool to have. And I've thought about this quite a bit, but I'd take Fernandez or Bellingham. And I think they're the two that Klopp could, could mould into that level of footballer and probably something beyond. And I don't think we should be settling for anybody else, I think. We need to just go out and buy big. I really do. You'll get him in Jan. Do you think you'll get him in Jan? I don't know. The money's right. You get anybody, but are we going to pay it? Mm. Let's wait and see. Unless we unless we get bought out in the next couple of weeks, <laughs> I just can't see it. It's all this February talk of the buyout. It's it's getting on my nerves a bit, to be honest. If, a, if why the, February if, though? Why I February? That's what I mean, if if the money's right and the money's there, why not tomorrow? Um, it just all sounds like a bit of a smokescreen or. Nonsense, basically. Twitter arty going into overdrive. Um, but yeah, just touching on Arsenal, you you two know that Odegaard is my boy. And I was watching a bit of the Rio Ferdinand 5 poddy today and they're saying Odegaard for player of the season yeah, in the yeah. whole league. And I just, he was, he was the one that we should have been hijacking his move to Arsenal. The worst bit about it was that we've seen him perform in the Premier League on loan. So it wasn't like, will he be able to cope in the Premier League? He was tried and tested. He excelled. I've got the messages in our group chat saying, that Odegaard, is he available? 
Neil was like, yeah, they only want something like 25 million for him. And I was like, please hijack that deal to Arsenal. We didn't do it. And now he's absolutely killing it. Um, so I just thought I'd drop that in yet again that Scotty's got an eye for a player. Um, <laughs> the funny thing was, he was someone that I used to buy on Football Manager years ago yeah. before he went to Real Madrid because he was at some Norwegian team and he's classed as a wonder kid and he was only like 15, but he was worth about 3 million. Yeah. And like he used to buy him on instalments and he used to just rip it up and was like, this guy's going to be a player. Then he went to Real Madrid and they never really gave him a chance because I think physically he wasn't, like up to it because he was only a young lad and he was trying to play against men so they loaned him out a few times and stuff and now he's got the physicality he's, he is unbelievable like he's literally untouchable untouchable he just glides everything weight a pass shoot and he's got everything to be fair and he's just a top top player i would agree with that in terms of signing the season i can't really look much further than him i did say Amero as well but i think odegaard's done it longer this season from start to finish so far the thing is real madrid normally insert a buyback clause within two years on a lot of players don't they so i'm just praying they've inserted a 60 million buyback <laughs> clause to take him back off arsenal but i can't imagine <laughs> arsenal ever agreeing to that nah. um let's get on to man united the manchester derby hmm. that offside goal i cannot get over it yeah how he was human shield in that ball that let's say the defender wanted to get to it he couldn't get to it because Rashford was running shielding it mm. how is that not interfering with play the rules have gone balmy if that's even in the rules OB how can that not be interfering with play the only way it'd be not interfering with play was he realised he was offside and he walks off in a different direction like I'm not interfering how can he oh, run and, and shield the ball ready for Bruno to take the shot how can that not be interfering with play? I don't know, mate. First of all, I love the way you wobbled your head as Rashford runs doing an impression <laughs> of him. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, I think I think with... The problem is, letter of the law, it's not offside. But the law is clearly wrong. And it, what it does is it prevents a defender getting to the ball. So, so that's interfering with play. So the, so the law yeah, is actually right. That, no, the law is wrong because it it talks about touching or moving towards the ball to touch it. Now, did, did he move? Yeah, towards but he the did. Ball he ran all the way with the ball, that's, shielding it. Yeah, that's I, that's I, going I, towards the ball. The, the reason yeah. it's wrong for me morally is that Edison's position is taken off Rashford's shape to potentially shoot. So that's how it interferes with play. He is deliberately causing an opposition to do a different action due to his position. Now, Akanji, he defends with only Rashford in mind. He's facing that way, sees Rashford's offside and purposely steps up because he knows he's offside. So then yeah. you shouldn't have to think about somebody else running from 20 yards deeper in order to fact fact and have to factor that into your own defending. That doesn't make any sense. Like, you could be stood 40 yards offside, leave that player, and then somebody just from 70 yards out of nowhere just comes in and belts the ball in when you purposely stepped up. There's literally... Offside trap doesn't exist because anybody from behind the ball can just score then, if that's the case. Do you know what I mean? It just doesn't It doesn't make any sense. We're in my, not in my defence of Rashford, but the pace on the pass from Casemiro, it was meant for Rashford... But I don't think Akanji would have got the pass 
even if Rashford wasn't there. That's one thing I would say. But Edison's position was definitely taken up for Rashford. That's why I think he was interfering with play. As a Man U fan, I can hand on heart say, I do believe that goal should have been disallowed. And I think that's what changed the game, to be honest, because I don't think we were being dominated necessarily, but City were pretty comfortable. Like, we weren't having shots on goal peppering Edison, and we needed that little bit of luck just to change because the second goal came instantly. And I think City were a little bit shell-shocked. The fact that the goal got given, our tails were up, and the crowd after that point was just electric. We just sort of sucked the ball in for the second goal. And I just don't think that little five minutes of madness was just what won us the game, really. I think it was pretty even all the way through. I think tactically we were excellent. I think we nullified them in the first half. We we limited them to, to absolutely nothing. They didn't have a shot on target. Perfect game plan. And I think against City, nine times out of ten, especially the way we've played against them, you've just got to make sure that you're still in the game at half-time because they can blitz you. And I was very pleased going into that half. I thought, we're doing well here. We've had a couple of chances on the counter-attack. We played exactly how we all discussed in the podcast, sort of bringing them on to us, hitting them on the counter-attack, using the space in the sides when the full-backs push up. And I thought, yeah, Rashford's getting in. And then when they got the goal, it was a little bit of a sucker punch, but we started the second half really slow. And I know Martial received his critics. But when he went off, we couldn't hold the ball up. I was like, it was kept going up, kept coming back. And I was like, we've lost that glue, like, he it was sticking with Martial. He wasn't doing much else, but when it was going into his feet, he was protecting it, and it was quite important to the way we played. And then when Grealish scored, I thought, ah, we're going to lose this 1-0. And I was not looking forward to the live afterwards because I was thinking, we, it's not that we didn't deserve to be 1-0 down, but I was just thinking, I was just kicking ourselves because all the media noise was going to come out. We haven't stepped up. We can't compete with the city. We're still miles off, and I thought all them headlines were going to come back again. But to go and win the game, not even draw the game, was just beyond my wildest. So I was just delighted with the performance from start to finish, really. The tactics from Haag, they probably threw Pep off a little bit, having the mm. two holding midfielders adding Fred in there. But as you said, the, the game plan in the first half, uh, I don't want Klopp to look at Man United games, OB, but when I look mm. at that, I think right now we could do with that. The, the back four the two sitters, and then they had that diamond who were just looking to counter-attack and feed off anything that they could make happen up top with Ericsson in the middle, Bruno on the right, Rash on the left, and TL up front. So them four, even when the ball got, they could get possession and play it out, you didn't see uh, Fred and Casemiro bombing forward to make it a six, six-man attack. They were just patient, patient. They were going to wait for their chance. And it was basically just complete control. I know I said it is in the chat and we covered it on Saturday in the live, Trav, but yeah. um, it, it was just unfortunately what, impressive from a tactical point of view, Obi. What I would say, though, was it's not a new way to play City. So you no. think back to when we beat them earlier in the season, we played a quite similar way, Scott. So mm. it's not a new way of playing a pet team. It's not a new way of beating a pet team. Um they just got it right. And when you get it right, it doesn't half work. And Southampton played a very similar way at points and, and overworked um, City last week and probably a more dominant display against, I know City had a few players out, but th their squad is deep and they didn't make any difference when they brought the subs on. So I think teams are, are, are becoming more capable and more knowledgeable about how to play 
Guardiola's team and maybe Guardiola's got to have a think about how he's approaching some of these games because more and more teams are taking that style of play and having a go at them in a very, very different way. I was surprised with City in terms of their element of risk in the game. I didn't think they took enough risks because I looked at the highlights again as well and I saw the amount of times Haaland was actually running in behind and it reminded me a little bit of when Haaland first came in his first few league games where he was making runs in behind and he was playing against a lot of high lines and they weren't finding him and he was getting frustrated and you know where you do that little 10-yard burst and you don't get it but he just kept running and kept running until he was finally getting them through passes and then I think it was the first game it was West Ham away where he got slid through and everyone was like, that's the blueprint for Haaland. On his shoulder, bang, as soon as you spot that ball through. But City just seemed to play a lot of square passes. They were giving the ball away quite a bit uncharacteristically. And Haaland, I, I was watching Haaland quite closely. He was making the runs still, especially in the first half. And they weren't sliding him. They weren't sliding him. And, and I just thought, are they not seeing it quick enough? Are they just being a little bit too cautious, not wanting to give the ball away, were they worried about the counter-attack? And I think it was a combination of all three things. Like I, I just don't think they were doing things early enough, uncharacteristic. I think, I think you were around them, though, and I think you actually looked a bit more tired in the second half, your midfield, yeah. um, which is ironic because you actually won the second half 2-1. But I thought that the... Um, the first half, you've done a lot of work. And I think I put that in the chat where it says, yeah. you've done a lot of work first half. And it's it's getting into the face of people like De Bruyne. And, but that's the blueprint. That's the blueprint. Get into the face of De Bruyne. Make sure there's no spaces in, you know, in them sort of half positions where they love to play. And in between the lines where they love to play, people like Foden, people like Mares, people like, you you know, Grealish. They, they all play in these little half turns in, in the space and they cause you problems. And then they put little, lovely little patterns together and they, they cause you a lot of problem if you let them play. And yeah. not letting not letting the conductor, which is De Bruyne in that team play, or Rodri have any time on the ball is absolute key. And I think that that's what, that's what a lot of teams have started to do. And I've seen it a few times this season where Pep's teams, particularly away from home, look uncomfortable and are not controlling football games the way they were. See, and that's, yeah. uh, like I said... Uh, near the top of the show I don't ever want to say anything neg- negative about Klopp ever but we wouldn't have played the way we played on Saturday if we were playing City would we Obi so is that, no, is that be, a we're, lack we're, of respect to Brighton I think, think? it is I think and that's it is, on Klopp we, yeah we do because we basically went in a very similar sort of defensive mode but kept it tight against City and every single player seemed to raise the game and they were chasing balls back we're not doing it against Brighton because we don't think we have to. Surely that's the only thing that's going on. And yeah. that's the difference. You've got to treat every game like a cup final. I mean, it, it's so important to have that level of performance and don't let the level drop, no matter who you're playing against. And that's where you get consistency. Now, last season, we played 63 games because we were consistent and because we didn't let the level drop. Yeah. And that's the difference between Liverpool last season, Liverpool list. And that's what we've seen from Man United this season. We've seen, apart from the few games where they look kind of ropey early on and are finding a way, they look like they're consistently putting it in. And that's that's credit to Ten Hag, because a lot of players in there I didn't think he'd get a song out of. And he seems to be able to do that. And um, he's obviously doing the right things and he's got them moving in the right way and he's got them defensively right. I thought 
Shaw moving to centre-back could be a permanent thing, you know. I really think he's got a position there. He is. He is. And he's, he's confident and he's creating, he's creating a lot of movement early on. So he's getting on the ball. He's creating the space. He's moving the ball in the right way. And having that ability to move someone in there who can pass the ball about, that's from Pep's theme book. You think all the way back to when he was at Barcelona, he moved Mascarano back there. And everybody's going, he's too short. He's too short to play there. He's not, he's not going to be able to cope with physically. But it wasn't what he was doing off the ball, which is just good enough. It was what he was doing on the ball. He was killing teams with his passing. And that's what that's what Ten Hag's done with Shaw. And I think it's it's a brilliant move. And it seems to be working for Shaw and for the team. Thanks, Obi. You've just made Blue Monday even bluer from a <laughs> Liverpool point of view. Um but yeah, I don't know, did you watch the match of the day analysis, Trav? Because Ian Wright was picking that up. Haaland was making all the runs and for whatever reason, they just weren't sliding it into him. Um, so yeah, he had a pretty ineffective game by his standards anyway, and it wasn't much his fault. Um, right, as I say, yeah, we've done the Man United game on the live, so I don't <laughs> want Trav to get too carried away again. <laughs> but thanks for your time, lads. That's nearly an hour. And uh, Liverpool are still in the mud. We've got an FA Cup game tomorrow, OB. I don't know what I feel about that. You know what I feel about the FA Cup in general, but it might just be a an idea to get dumped out of that cup, to be honest. So I'm not going to cry if we if we get beat away to Wolves. Um, but it could yeah, be the opportunity to bounce back. It could yeah. be the opportunity to do something different, play a different system and reinvent. Because it doesn't matter what game of football you're playing, you want to win the game. Ultimately, I want to win the game and the players need to win the game. So, for me, I think that's an opportunity to, if you're going to do something different, yeah, you're going to play a different You won it last year. you got, you exactly. got, you got, exactly. you got to have some pride about you, definitely. you got not just get knocked out. For what For what reason? Like It's not like you said, it's not like you're going for the league or or you think, or you've got the belief that you're going to win the Champions League. Like, it's it's an away tie against a team struggling in the Premier League. Go on, go on I can I can't remember saying we ain't going to win the Champions League because it would be the most <laughs> Liverpool <laughs> thing ever now <laughs> to have this terrible season. I can yeah. remember back in two thousand and five when we lost the way um, to Burnley in the FA Cup and Traore the ball hit him and went in. Do you remember that, Scott? Yeah. And everybody was going, "This is the worst Liverpool team in years. They're absolutely terrible. They're not going to do anything." Five months later, they were champions of Europe. I don't know how, even to this day. <laughs> I don't know how, but it happened. You know what I mean? And it's the most Liverpool thing ever. We can't Rotten. rule it out, then. We can't rule it out. No, no. And we'll start focusing on it. OB, yeah. after Friday night's prediction that we were going to blast Brighton, you're a really brave man saying <laughs> that we're going to win the Champions League now. But it's it's what I love you for. So uh, I'm keep, all in. I'm keep all the in. positivity going. Right, lads, we'll probably be back uh, maybe Friday night again to review the weekend, probably do a 10-minute slot on how Wolves patterned us up and we're out of the FA Cup. And it's all doom and gloom. Or, on the other hand, we might be bought out by Friday, OB. How do you like that? them apples? I, I would take that right now. We'll briefly touch on our midweek game. We've got Palace away. which is Oh, yeah, tough. of course, yeah. And, and City have got Spurs on the Thursday and that's right before City, um, United, Arsenal. so oh, Jesus. And, and, and Liverpool, Chelsea. So big yeah. weekend. It's going to be another, could be another blue Monday next Monday. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Man City Spurs is Thursday. Yeah. Jesus. Mm. Arsenal could have won the league by 
the first of February at this rate. That's another not, must not, win. Not with, not with Spurs playing the way they did yesterday. Yeah, Spurs, Spurs aren't beating anybody. Let's 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 be real about if it. If Arsenal beat us, they're in a really really strong position. They really are. Man City yeah. just I need bet. to pick up some points now. Yeah. Right, boys. Do you, do you feel like you're closer to winning the title, Trav? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I'm being. Okay, I'm, I'm not even bantering. No, I'm not. I, no, I'm not. Like Arsenal's a humongous game. Like if they would have dropped points yesterday, and we would have had the incentive of like going a couple of points off, maybe one point off, then I said we would have. I probably would have said we've got an outside chance. But the reason I don't think we're in a title race is because I just think Arsenal's form's too good. Like they, they're not really showing any signs of breaking at the minute. City can go on a run, and it's not like you're chasing one team, you're chasing a couple. Do you know what I mean? Before the old yeah. title races, they're just they're just one team, one another, like when you were slogging it out with City or whatever. But it's when you're chasing a couple teams, it, it, you, you want, you're needing two teams to drop points every couple of weeks it, and win yourself. It's just, it's just a big ask. We lost too many points in the earlier part of the season. We've caught up really well, but I just think it's a little bit of a bridge too far. You don't believe that. I do, genuinely. <laughs> but if we win it, mate, you'll know about it. <laughs> right, I love it. Right, lads, I'm going to end it there. Um, if anyone's made it this far, don't forget to like and subscribe. It really helps us out loads. And uh, me and the two gents will see you in the next one. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thank you.